Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back. Uh, So we took a week off just because I needed a break from editing. And so we haven't talked about the regional results. We gave our predictions. Matt sucked uh, quite a bit on those, but that's okay. So now we've got, got the, the, basketball the, the regional results dunk on my... to talk about. <laughs> uh, how did you guys do? Did all of you do a bracket for Tech Hockey Guide? I did, but I haven't checked it. Okay. Rob? I'll go check our stands. I did not do an actual bracket, but I think I only got one Frozen Four team right. What? What did? Oh, there's Dustin. Yeah, ni- Dustin has nine points so far, and it's actually going to let me look. Yeah, you got. You had uh, North Dakota. I'm a little confused here who you had. I'm pretty sure my Frozen Four was North Dakota, Vancado, Lake State. Yeah, okay. And Boston College. Yep, that looks right. Yeah, you had North Dakota playing Boston College for the championship. Yep. Um, yeah, so I had... I only got one game wrong, and that was the one that went into five overtimes. So I don't feel bad about getting it wrong. The only problem is, is the team that lost that game is the team I picked to win it all, so my bracket's <laughs> kind of shot now. Uh, Matt, what's your name on here? I just Matt did T- Matt THG. So you got six points, and there are eight people that did worse than you out of 57 entries. Yeah, I did. So far. <laughs> How many of those can jump you? I don't know. Uh, not many, I guess. I still have. I still have a I have a couple frozen four teams, I believe. You have UMass and that's it. Oh, okay. Well if UMass wins then Do you have UMass winning at all? It's I hard to tell on these other tell brackets. By the way I can't tell by the way this is formatted who I had winning. I know it was between Minnesota and UMass. I think I picked UMass just because I wanted to. So if UMass wins I have the potential to go up, but my rest of my bracket was hot trash. Okay. I'm really regretting not going to Diamond Joe's before the tournament and playing those, placing those bets that I talked about at the end. Yeah, I almost, I almost asked you if you wanted me to bet anything on Sunday or on my way. Well, but I ended up going through Rochester both ways, so I didn't go to Diamond Joe's because I would have had, I'd have had Duluth and Mankato in the Frozen Four right now. Both of them like plus 2,500 and plus 2,800 or something like that. Yeah. Be sitting pretty good. You'd basically have a 50-50 shot of making a couple grand? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So so what else does everybody think about the, the, the results and everything on the weekend? Well, the biggest thing is I'm glad that Minnesota State finally figured out how to play hockey when it doesn't involve a WCHA team in the playoffs. Yeah. 
I think that was a great thing. I know Matt was harping on that before, too, about uh, basically claiming that uh, there's nothing more predictable than Minnesota State losing in the NCAA tournament. And while he was right going into this tournament, he is now wrong. And But, but once again, <laughs> Minnesota State... They've done it in multiple weird ways, right? Because haven't like there's been a couple times where they've gotten big leads in those games that they lost, and then choked it away and lost in overtime or whatever. Um, yep. And uh, they lost to Duluth in overtime, right? And that was kind of it. Didn't take as long to get the actual goal, but it was kind of similar to the the North Dakota five overtime game where Minnesota Duluth scored and a goal was disallowed and then they ended up scoring again to win it that just in the North Dakota game it took like four more overtimes for that other goal to happen and I also if I'm not mistaken Duluth in the Minnesota State game tied it up late versus giving up the lead late like they did to North Dakota um, did anybody else stay up to watch the end of that one Oh, yeah. Of course I did. Uh, Dustin didn't no. make it. He had to no. get up and golf, if I remember correctly. Yeah, absolutely you not. Can't start, you, you can't start watching a game. And I actually only started watching it like the third period because it had some issues with the streaming. And it was overlapping, wasn't it? Yeah, there the was other games. other games going on. And yeah, so I felt like, oh, man, I missed a bunch of the game. Crap. Then you get on and, you know, I got on and started watching like the third period. And, um, well, you know, I got a hockey game and a half out of it still. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. Um it was, and then that final minute of regulation or two minutes, whatever it was, was kind of crazy with North Dakota scoring twice to, to tie it yeah, up there. Right. Uh, and then you had a lot of talk about how um, the whole situation of Minnesota Duluth not having to play the day before, but but North Dakota did. But at the same time, if you watched most of overtime, most of the overtimes, North Dakota was the one dominating play. Minnesota Duluth was maybe taking some, some, like, just getting pucks on net at times, but it's not like that. I felt like they were threatening very much. Um, right. What did you guys think of the disallowed goal in overtime? I think we were all still up for that one, weren't you, Dustin? Yes, I did see that one. Yeah. I think it was the right call. I think it's a tough call, but it's right. I know I saw some people complaining on Twitter about, like, the technicality of it all. And it's like, no, he's off. Like, it's not, um, like, even, yeah, because he, because I saw some complaining about the rule. And I'm like, look, all the Duluth guy has to do is not lose control of the puck. And it doesn't matter if he skates it in backwards like he did. But he lost control. So it that the rule is like there's nothing wrong with that rule. The problem is is the ref should have gotten that right live. But I also don't necessarily have a problem with linesmen letting that stuff go cuz it did lead to a goal and you don't want to call off a play like that and then have that the goal never happen, but at the same time the reviews take too damn long cuz what was it? 8 minutes? Yeah, it took a while. Or is that a different goal? I forget. My favorite part of that entire, I think it was seven minutes. Okay. I think my favorite part of that entire review was listening to whoever was the uh, play-by-play guy 
repeatedly mentioned the fact that if only North Dakota had touched it, it would have negated the fact that they could go back. Yeah. And he, the possession change was mentioned. It had to have been the 50 BU rule? times. Yeah. Like, yeah. he mentioned there's it a, like 12 there, times. There's a, like, there's a rule in here, you know, if there's some touching, <laughs> yeah. if they just get a little bit of touch. Like that a, was Starman. Yeah, it was just over and over and over again. It's like, dude, yeah. you said it once. I know you got stuff to fill. Yeah. But yeah. as man. usual, I'm gonna go against the grain with this one because as the as the rule is stated, it was called correctly. But I feel like, well, I are you are you are, we, everyone already knows my opinion on offsides reviews anyway. I hate them, but I think that the puck and the player should be considered one entity at all times. So if a player has clear possession of the puck and decides they want to skate it in backwards to the zone. I personally wouldn't have a problem with that being written. That is rules. legal, Matt. Oh, I thought he lost possession and was trying to get it back as he crossed the blue line. It's clear that he lost possession of the puck. He bobbled it and he had to reach back to get it. the The rule of hockey is that if you have possession, you can bring it across however you want. You can skate in backwards with the puck seven feet behind you as long as you can. You're controlling it with your stick. You're allowed to do that. All right, that's what I thought. Also, bear in mind that my perspective on this is my girlfriend was unprepared for how much hockey I was going to be watching that day and was very mad at me for continuing to watch hockey all day. So, and I decided at that point that it was two teams that I didn't care about. So I was just going to say, screw it and go to bed. Little did I know it was going to be a really historic game and I'd be bummed about missing that one too. <laughs> Yeah, that was I, that, I that, that. That was a Saturday I, I had game, all right? These plans to clean my house, and then hockey comes on, and you're like, "Shit, no, I'm doing this all well, day." Well, no, but and it, and it was even like, okay, during this game, I can clean the upstairs because I only need one TV. Well, then I look again, and the schedule was different than what I thought it was. And then, the, yeah, that then confused the a lot of people. Played, I think. And somebody else played another game, so basically, I had two or more games going on the whole day. So I just plopped down on the couch in the living room and didn't even clean the damn living room. <laughs> I just sat there and watched hockey most of the day, and, and it was nice, but my house is still dirty because yeah. I didn't clean that weekend, and now I had my kid this last weekend, so I need to get to work on that. I mean, the good news is that, couple days that, that big weekend with all those national tournament games only happens once a year. It's one of the happiest weekends of the year, but now you've got... It's, it's usually right around... Like that was my Saturday is my birthday, right? So it's 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 my birthday weekend most most years, and I don't mind it. It's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time to have a birthday weekend. This, this sure. week you've yeah. got three games. You can manage it. Two of them are on Thursday, so <laughs> try to fit it in there somewhere. I went golfing. Yeah, I took I took <laughs> Thursday. I took Thursday and Friday sick or off, depending. You know. But uh, it was kind I of fun be watching because they had the, games. the 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 guys in the pro shop and the the bar at the golf course brought. Brought in like fire sticks and Roku's and stuff, and had a, had a, the different TVs in the bar at the golf course with different games on. And there was one guy there decked out in North Dakota stuff. Obviously, these are all members. <laughs> one guy I didn't realize used to play. He, he played for the Gophers. Um, a couple guy, a couple Mankato guys, a couple St. Cloud guys. So there, there's a, like a good representation of a bunch of different hockey fans that were all. In and out of the clubhouse, sitting there drinking beer and watching the game. It was it was a it was a fun atmosphere. Good. My other issue was the the ESPN app was horrid for the overlaps because if the game yeah. 
got moved to another channel. Yep. Even though you went and found the game under college hockey, it was like, it hasn't started yet. And I'm like, no, it has. Why isn't this working? But then if you would go to the channel and it would say that this channel is supposed to be showing the Cornhole National Championships or whatever the heck it, it was. It was, and I love Cornhole, so it's... <laughs> no, but I don't... I, it was a couple no. different things throughout the day, but it was supposed to be showing some Cornhole Championship. Well, that got bumped because of the hockey overlap, so then the hockey was on that, but in the app it still said Cornhole, so if you didn't know that, like, it was a pain in the butt. And then when... One game ended and that got moved back to the other channel. The app just stopped working and or went back to cornhole or whatever. And it's like I want to watch the hockey game. Why is this app being stupid? And it and it makes me feel less crappy about flow hockey the way some of this stuff works. Sometimes I don't know. To me, it just kind of makes me feel trapped as a college hockey fan because you know, no matter where we go, even if it's the worldwide leader in sports, we're still going to be treated. Like a footnote, and they're gonna throw us around a whole bunch of channels. So we gotta try to, you know, play play Minesweeper to try to figure out. But the one thing I will get ESPN, especially if you're watching it online, is that one that jingle they play like during commercial breaks. It's oh, a God. certified bop. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, and, I, and and you say like, I am we're tired. Trap no matter what. I don't. I don't feel like I've ever had that experience with anything on ESPN Plus because you're going for an event and it works. Yeah, I agree. The shuffling around is the network issue, not the ESPN Plus side. So yep, I think ESPN Plus, ESPN works Plus well. is still the best place to be because it's the the they're far more likely to have sports fans that have it already for other things and Especially now that it sounds like ESPN Plus is going to be the home of like your out-of-market NHL games. Um, so I, I just think, uh, not that we need to get into another chat about that, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting that... Uh, I, I will give ESPN props too, because I think this is the first year that I have ever noticed, because I don't think it happened two years ago, where they actually had a studio team for intermissions and it wasn't just the same stuff every time. Now, sometimes they got a little boring and spent like half of every intermission, like during the second game on Friday, they basically just talked about the first game on Friday incessantly. And also, and then the, during the Bemidji, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin game, it seemed like all they wanted to talk about was Michigan and Notre Dame not being able to play. Don't forget the Caulfield on ice tracker had multiple pictures of that. Yeah, was- fortunately it changed and it was showing other players eventually. But when that started, I was like, oh, Dude, vomit. It was, I think they maybe realized really they were being a little obnoxious with that. So they're like, oh, we better make it look like we did this on purpose and, and throw a couple of just- names up there every once in a while. Yeah, I don't really have any problem with the for that. For that tracker existing from the perspective of, like, each team's leading scorer is on the ice now, and that's kind yeah, of what it morphed fine. into. I think yeah, that was that's great. Fine. That's it, good. It, it but when, it, that's when it felt like it was just about Caulfield and whoever else that kid is at Hollow Is it Holloway? Holloway, yeah. Was yeah, it was going? those two were, like, the only ones that it ever showed, and it was just like, come on. And I'm sure ESPN is pissed off that their Frozen Four is three Minnesota schools and UMass. 
<laughs> like, I can't imagine them being less happy with who's in the Frozen Four. Three Minnesota, I... three Minnesota schools that does not include the Big Ten school. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, like, I no, know we already no Big Ten, no no Power Five teams at yeah. all. Yeah. And like, I know we've already we've already dunked on me for being wrong about Minnesota State, but if the price to pay for Minnesota State or me being wrong about that prediction is we dunk on the, the WCHA dunks on the big 10. That's the easiest pill to swallow for me. I'm okay. Oh, I'm was, very okay yeah, with that. Two and all against the big 10 in that tournament. That's it was good. fantastic not, to watch not, Bemidji just completely and totally demolish not, Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. Not that only was it two and zero. not only was it two and oh, they were behind the woodshed. Just absolute like, yeah, like call so, child so protective so, services so, beatings. Like, the only what well, the only win well they only had like who two of the their only winning decision got, by the big 10 was just out n- because of covid so then the two that played went two and or one and two is that right yeah they didn't win anything yeah. yep. no well gophers won their first game the gophers won against gophers. Omaha. Oh, that's right the gophers yeah. they just yeah beat, the gophers kicked they, the they Omaha, beat Omaha right. so badly that everyone forgot about it because that was also the game that started it started after uh, Duluth and North Dakota and ended before. Yeah. So nobody wanted to talk about that one because there was just, it's not as exciting. <laughs> well, it was a crappy, boring ass game. I yeah. mean, the go- I had them on, I had them on the big TV for all of 10 minutes and the game was basically over already. So <laughs> I changed the, changed it up yeah. the other way. Um, one of the other things that I think is worth talking about was, did you guys read up much on the the Michigan situation. Um, I don't, what actually I didn't know. I I saw well, they were the, out, and the then way, I stopped caring about them. The way Mel talked about it, from what I read, was they had left a player home that tested positive. And I guess I don't know all the details, but I assume what happened was somebody else tested positive after they got to the region. <clears throat> So that's when they were shut down. But, like, I don't understand how, like, we had, I don't even remember who we had on that talked about it this way. Was it Nate or or who? But we talked about how, or Matt Wellens even, I don't even remember anymore, who was talking about how, like, the schools have to follow the rules of the state they're from, right? Yeah. And the state they're playing in, right? Yeah. So... Isn't Michigan rather stringent on their rules, or is was it Houghton County that was the one that cracked down on us, Michigan Tech being shut down for two weeks over a positive? Michigan's test? rather stringent. That's true. Yeah. So I don't understand why Mel Pearson ever thought his team was going to get to play if you had a player that tested positive the week of the tournament. Like, yeah. And and, and the other thing that bothers me more than anything is. When did this player test positive? Because was it within the 24-hour window that they could have been replaced and Mel chose not to because he thought he could find a way to pull this off? That sounds like typical Mel thinking. It does, doesn't it? It sounds rather selfish that he tried to find a way to pull it off and everything you read from him is him being disappointed. Like, it's quite possible that, uh, like... Mel tried to basically not tell anybody this player tested positive and leave him home, and that's the only thing that kept them from playing, and that would also make some sense from the way Mel talked about not understanding the decision. But 
Michigan Tech got shut down yeah. for two weeks because of a positive test, even if they separated players and everything else. So why the hell would Michigan think they're different than that? Because they always think, think they're better and that's, different. That's exactly what's <laughs> really been irritating me is that, you know, taking a step back, we all know that there's no love lost between Tech and Michigan. So taking a step back from that perspective even, you know, you take a look at Michigan's situation and it really sucks to lose out on your season like that. But when you look at the facts, you realize that Michigan's had stringent COVID protocols this whole time that Mel's had, must have been following or have some knowledge of. He has to yeah. have some idea of what contact tracing is at this point. Like, I hear what you're saying about, like, you know, where was that window? How do you think this was going to work? But, like... The way that it appears to me on the outside is that he just had a player test positive, thought leaving him home would just be Gucci and they could go play the tournament because they're the block M, and that's just not how it works. Like, I'm sorry your season ended that way. Like, honestly, That's how a Michigan person's mind works, though. I know, but, like, honestly, I feel bad (laughs) to have your season end that way. That sucks. But It does. But but you also have to look at the big picture of it is what it is. You can't just... We've been following these rules all season. You can't just ignore them now like that Baylor women's basketball coach wanted yeah, it, like, like they just want COVID yeah. protocols to stop for the women's froze or final four because they're like there's only four teams left. What's the worst that can happen kind of thing? And it's like, no, that's we've been doing it this way the whole time. Yeah. You're not gonna stop now. And the world doesn't suddenly change just because you're wearing a black M on your chest. It you know, like these have been the rules the whole time. I don't know what was surprising about this, and it just comes across to me as is whining about something you should have had full knowledge of. Yeah. He, he, I have zero problem with Coach Pearson being upset that his team season ended that yeah, way. Yeah, of course. But to act ignorant of the fact that these rules have been in place the entire time and the expectation is you're going to follow them, like, it just... Anyway, anybody else got something you want to say about that? Yeah, I don't want to talk it to death, but that I just I just hate how in Michigan they're the only college hockey team that gets coverage. So anytime Mel Pearson opens his mouth, we usually get something about it. So then you hear people are like, "Man, you get all like the ridiculous people on Facebook. They're like, oh man, I really feel for the team. Like this is total crap." And it's like, actually, he should have known these roles very well. He should have been following them all season. He should have been fully aware of what would happen if this scenario were to go down. He should have been aware of that time period where he could have subbed them out and it wouldn't have been a problem. So somewhere in there, they have no one to blame but themselves for that situation. Like, it sucks, but at the end of the day... Mel Mel probably thought that Tech was next in line and just couldn't stand the fact that maybe Tech would get in instead of Michigan (laughs) because he's that big of a jackass. Yeah, add us on Tech Hockey Guide if you think that's the new conspiracy theory. Did Mel just hold out until he got all the way to Fargo to make sure Tech wouldn't get into a regional? (laughs) And he's he's dull enough to actually believe that Tech was going to be in next instead of Bowling Green. Or Providence. Providence was next. Or Or Providence. Providence was next, from all indications. I mean, yeah, Tech was Providence. like, and I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason Notre Dame got picked over Providence was so that they wouldn't have a interconference matchup in the first round. I that worked out well for them for replacing St. Lawrence. Yeah, but that was before the brackets were announced, and I mean, they could have still shifted stuff around. Well, it was probably close enough that they just said, we'll just do Notre Dame, and they wanted, yeah, whatever. 
Who cares? Bunch of Catholic schools anyway. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. BC is the better One... Catholics this year, I guess, but not for long. One stuck-up Catholic <laughs> school is as good as another stuck-up Catholic school. Anyway, uh, let's see. What was next on my list? Please not high school hockey. Uh, I'm so done. <laughs> yeah, we're done with high school hockey. Let's skip ahead to the transfer portal because we can always talk about our preseason predictions some other time. Um, or not talk about them ever again. Who cares? <laughs> but the NCAA transfer portal... Uh, a couple big news bits with that. Uh, Mike McMahon at College Hockey News on April 2nd reported that there were over 250 players in the transfer portal. Almost 15% of all of the college hockey players are in the portal. Um, you said almost 50%? 15. Oh, God. I think you said 50. It's like, jeez. No, nope. nope, 15%. Yeah. I don't know. I think the transfer portal is broken. <laughs> yeah. And just in terms of how it's being used. <laughs> yeah. and Definitely is. <laughs> and I think that's... I, I want to get more okay. into that when I make my point out of the, the looming thing that's going to come out of, you know, bringing up the transfer portal. <laughs> yeah. Well, so one of the interesting tidbits from this article that somebody tweeted out misunderstanding it and i'm glad mike mcmahon did clarify this so programs are allowed to go over their 18 scholarships per season uh if they're retaining a player that was on their own team that is eligible for a fifth year but if you transfer you doesn't if, you, count if they transfer that. they have to count towards your 18 limit now the interesting thing to me is wondering what that means for Ashbrook going forward. Where does he fall on that? I would imagine he's. I mean, he, his scholarship counts. I would imagine it has. Why well, does it, it counts this year? Does it count if he stays as a super senior? I would say no, it doesn't. Because he played for Michigan Tech during the year that doesn't count. So does that mean his but he's also scholarship play for, and his... But he's also going to play for the year, ne- play for Tech next year, too. Yeah. He's play, he's, but any player... It's the year previous but, to your fifth year, I think. That's how I would interpret it. If you play for the, that team the year previous to your fifth year, your scholarship can come off the books. Oh, so Ashbrook, you would think, would come off the books if he stays five years. For his fifth year. I would, or plays five years of college. That's how I would interpret okay. it, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works. So then uh, so then, we might as well get into this now. Yeah, so let's then do it. a guy like, what's that? So we have, so a guy like Carson Bantle, who entered the portal for Michigan Tech, he could get, not that he's going to stay five years in college anyway, although if he has three more seasons like this year, he might. Um is he eligible for that fifth year counting if he transfers and stays at that other school for five, four years? I, I would I would say so. think so, yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I don't know how that'll work out. We'll have to see uh, how that all plays out um, and, and how much... It'll be really interesting to see how many of these players... Like, I think the... Like, I don't have a good list because I think, I think is it does GPL has a decent running list. Doesn't it Dustin? Have you been on there lately? Not in two years. They've got a thread. 
They've What's got that? a thread that lists everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been there in two so, years. So it's probably a good place to go to look at this and actually like try and compile like a table of, of everybody that's on there. It'll be interesting to see what percentage of these players are dipping their toes in to see what's out there versus actually, and don't end up leaving. Yeah. I don't think Bantle is one of those players, but. You never know. Maybe you, you never know. You never know. Yeah. And there's, I think there's going to be a lot of players that are doing that just to see what's out there. Exactly. There's yeah, going to go ahead. There's going to be a lot of players. There's going to be players out there that are putting their name in the portal, and then in, in the off season, they're going to try to get a pro contract. You know, some of these fifth year guys. Like I'm, I'm yeah. thinking, like some of the guys, the, the Bowling Green players that are in the portal. If they get a, if they get a good AHL contract, they're probably not going to come back anyway. So. You know, there's yeah. going to be players like that. It's, it, it, it's, it's, I think the motivations and the you know where these players are coming from is all over the board. And well, and it's hard. And 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 the other thing that I've heard too is with COVID screwing up enrollments and everything else at schools. Like some of these schools, even the bigger ones, are talking about like these extra scholarships have to come out of your general team budget. So it's not like these schools can necessarily keep them. And Bowling Green had what, 10 seniors or something like you can't, you can't have 28 scholarships one year. I mean, that's how do you pull that off? Yeah, but they got some, I mean, Bowling Green has other issues with, it's not only seniors that are in the portal now too. They've got some of their better underclassmen. Um, Who was the, the junior that was the most recent one that's, I can't think, think of his name. The Theocratus or whatever. No, there's one that just came on like two days ago that was a junior that was, I saw the name and okay. thought it was, I, 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 this is great content because I can't remember who it is now. Well, I mean, to, to kind of go into that point is that I think BGSU's hockey blog put a pretty decent blurb about that in there is that like, you know, the seniors starting to go for the transfer portal that's expected stuff like that sh- that's not that concerning because maybe it's something like um you got a senior that's looking to go into grad school and the school they're currently attending doesn't have it you've got stuff where they're just you know looking to move on there's just not a spot for them a team anymore they had that in the exit interviews kind of a deal so the older guys moving on isn't that big of a deal it's when you start getting that the younger kids that start wanting to move that starts becoming more of a concern, so I agree. Yeah, I that's... agree. I agree. It, 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 but it's that's the same. It's the same argument that that we that I think all of us have for why grad transfers. You know, if a, if a player wants to grad transfer, it's not that big of a deal. You know, yeah. they, it, it's the same kind of argument. They're at the end of their academic career. They've certainly put in their time. That's the reward for doing that. But it's a it's a completely different argument when underclassmen are transferring. I think. Yeah, and that's why when I heard about Bantle uh, going into the portal, my knee-jerk reaction was, holy shit, let's, you know, ring every alarm possible. That's that's really bad. That's not a good look for the program. But then taking a step back and thinking about, you know, all of the factors that may come into play there, the way that I kind of look at it, and I don't think we'll ever know this until maybe even years down the line, is that right now, like we talked about in the beginning of this segment, how we've got over 200 transfers in the, we got only 200 kids in the transfer portal, you know, 50% of all of college hockey. There's a lot of kids that are probably just 
put their one name. five percent. Yeah, fifteen one five. Yes, I said okay. fifteen, not fifty. I apologize if it sounded kind of similar, but um, <laughs> you know, you've got that many kids in the portal that are probably putting their name out there and seeing if there's one of those, you know, one of those bigger programs that wants to take a chance on them. And you know, if you look at Bantle, he is he wasn't that much of a contributor in terms of points of the season. He was very noticeable on the ice, and his <laughs> career trajectory is very clear. So I understand, you know, like where a lot of hurt may be coming from, from tech fans that he would even try to declare, but looking at it from his perspective, you know, this is the closest that college hockey and there's the bigger NCAA discussion that we had before this NCAA is in a mess right now because of the way COVID rules worked, but this is the closest thing that college hockey has ever seen to free agency. So I can't blame a kid who's 18 years old in a lesser-known program trying to put his name in the hat scene if a blue chip like BC and North Dakota will just take a chance on him one day. And there's also the fact that the portal is just the portal. There's Though it's not likely, there's the chance that even though he's declared no school gives him an offer, he's back on campus next semester. It's possible. I also... The other thing to me that I think about when I think about Bantle specifically is I remember on one of the Joe shows, Joe talked about when Bantle got hurt that he went home for a while while he was recovering. And I think you, he gets removed from that situation, gets agents or whoever in his ear while he's gone. And it's real easy to see why, somebody who struggled as much as he did offensively in his first season of college hockey would be thinking about going somewhere else to see if he can improve his stock. Especially if it's a less, and, if it's a less defensive league than you're going to see in the WCHA. Yeah. And I, and it's, but I struggle to see how any blue chip is going to take him because they've got their own log jam to deal with. Mm-hmm. And he's not a proven commodity like an Eric Dopp going to BC makes a ton of sense because they get an experienced goalie. And it's so much easier, as we've said multiple times, for a goalie to transfer and adapt quickly because it's kind of their own little thing. Whereas, like, North Dakota has its own issues, and if they're going to go after anybody, it feels like they're going to go after the the developed junior or senior over the the kid that got three points in the WCHA last year. Yeah, but he's still he's still a six foot five, very talented. Yeah, I'm sure Tech fans, but everybody's but everybody's under the scholarship crunch too. Like you can't you can't take seven transfers and then and then just crap on everybody that you've got committed, can you? Yeah, I I mean Mel Pearson might do it. I mean there's plenty of coaches that would, I think. Yeah, And that's why, I don't know why I have this gut feeling, this is probably just my ignorance and not my years talking, is that for some reason I have this feeling that he just ends up back on campus this year, because I feel like he may be one of those other 200 plus kids who are just throwing his name out there saying like, hey, you know, anyone can pick me up kind of a deal and see what happens. And I think the bigger thing that may come of this is who does tech pickup and all of this if they do at all because if it's another player of like Ashbrook caliber I think this is a different conversation yeah it's it's possible and it I think it's it, yeah it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out 
and I've said it, I said it on Twitter and I'll say it here. The dumbest part about this whole thing is people like Mike McMahon and Brad Sloshman somehow have access to a portal that's only supposed to be accessible by coaches. And if it's going to be this half-assed public as it is, it should just be a public portal that anybody can log into and look at because this this piecemeal crap of publishing who you want to publish and not publishing everybody is crap. Yeah. Because it's not... If it's going to... Like, if it's supposed to be private, then you need to be held accountable for who's giving up this information and if it's not going to be held private, then it just needs to be made public so that everybody can go look for themselves and not have to to go through these third parties to pull it off. Because I'm not going to reach out to coaches and start asking because I think it's stupid yeah. the way it's done. And it shouldn't be about what Schlossman knows and what Schlossman wants to know and what he wants to publish. Notice and that. it shouldn't be behind a paywall that Mike McMahon wants to keep to get money to to say who's on there or whatever. It's just a dumb way to do it, if you ask me. Yep. Notice that Schlossman never tweets about which North Dakota players are on in the portal. Not once. Right. Yeah. No. You think he doesn't well, you think he doesn't probably, have probably an agenda? Because, well everyone's got but an agenda to something. Who do you think he's getting info from, Dustin? It's probably from the North Dakota staff, so they're not gonna tell him who's on the portal. Yeah. I'm guessing his name starts with Brad and ends in Barry. Yeah, but again, for Tim's point, is I really, you know, that rings really true to me, I think, is because I think it really kind of makes the entire NCAA system seem really Mickey Mouse if we can't even know who's, like, declaring for the portal. Like, could you imagine if, like, the CHL was doing that? Like, I was going to go straight for the NHL logic, but if you could you imagine, you know, any of the CHL leagues doing something like that? It just really reads as like a Mickey Mouse situation to me, and I don't like the league that our team is playing in being represented that way. It's, you know, when you've got players moving, that's generally public knowledge, and it just should be. Well, I think the players moving is public knowledge. It's the it's the dip in your toes in that isn't, and it just I, I it just sits wrong with me that that certain people have gotten the connections to get the access and they're gatekeepers of knowing who's on the list. And it just doesn't make sense to me. If you can tell me there's 255 players on the list uh, on the portal, then I want you to publish a, I want you to have a Google form that's got 255 names on it. Like if you're going to go there, do it like, and you shouldn't be hiding this because if you've got it, it, it should just be in the public sphere. It should because it doesn't. It doesn't make sense having it uh, the way it is, and uh, and as long as we're, I brought up the Bantle name, I might as well mention the other two for Michigan Tech. We've got T.J. Polglaze. I heard a rumor that he might actually be going to St. Thomas. Our next topic, and uh, I'm forgetting which one it even is. Cooper Watson, right? Yep. Is that yep. right? Cooper Watson. So those are the three guys on the portal for Michigan Tech. Um, I I know you guys, I, Rob specifically, talk a lot about like hating the whole portal thing and and the the freedom of movement that it's creating. And I don't like it from the perspective of 
players being able to uh well, basically your your feeder system talk about how basically here's the thing if if a professional athlete and if that's what they, these guys want to be treated like if a professional athlete signs a four year contract and they want to move there's some buyout there's some compensation for the school or the team they're coming from to make that happen the way the portal is working now you're giving the students the ability to move around and these schools that are spending time to recruit them giving them that exposure bringing them into the college hockey system are getting the they're getting screwed over by it there's nothing coming back to that school for losing somebody that's yeah, where I but, struggle with it. You've you've spent all that time recruiting them, talking to them, getting them to come to your program, and now they just walk away with no benefit to the program whatsoever, and it throws everything with the traditional four years of of play that these kids are supposed to have. And in, as in a general thought, right, they're coming to go to school and be an athlete. So you're planning on, for the most part, three or four years out of a kid when he comes into school, and now you're all thrown awry and your entire recruiting grid is screwed up and you have to deal with that. I don't know. It's It, it doesn't make sense to me to make it as easy as they are making it. Now, I get this year with COVID and teams not playing. It's not fair to make a kid just sit on the sidelines for a year because his school dropped. I get that. I get why Ashbrook you know, can come into tech and play right away. That makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me under regular circumstances. You've committed to a program. You committed to a program. That's the word that gets used for it. It's not, you know, they they signed you. Yeah, so you, or anything like right, that. you're there's no there's no benefit to the school. They're just getting screwed when a student comes in, plays a year, has a good year, and then goes, okay, now I can go to Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin didn't want you to start with. They didn't want to spend the time to develop you. I don't think it's fair that you can suddenly jump to a program that had no desire to do anything with you at the college level until you came in and did something. It makes no sense to me. It's super frustrating. If they wanted you, they should spend the time bringing you in. I get what you're saying, but... There's only a certain amount of kids that are going to be playing college hockey within a certain year. You know, you've got a certain age range that college hockey serves. It shouldn't be the schools that aren't able to pull a blue chip right away suddenly find a diamond in the rough and he's gone away from them. Okay, but should Gavin Gould really be forced to sit out a year because him and Joe Sean don't get along? You've made a choice to go to a school. That's a part of the recruiting process. I have no problem with the sitting out sitting out a year, yeah, but, I think, is exactly I, where it should I be. if I take a job with a company... And I don't like, and they make me, and they have a restructuring, and I don't like my new boss. I can go get another job tomorrow if I want. Sure, but right? like I said, there's there's no compensation backwards toward the school for you know a, but a loss. There's no compensation like, for me switching jobs, yeah, even though the company I'm at right now is the one that got me to where I am. And that's why there needs to be a middle ground here. That's why they should there should be the availability to move. But sitting out a year or a half a year makes sense to me. There has to be some sort of negative consequences so that it's it's not just a free-for-all like we're seeing at the end of this year. With no negative consequences to it like what's happening this year, 
it's 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 going to turn into the haves and have-nots even worse than what we already have. And that's also the other thing is that you say you can get a new job at the Marvel. Will the process really take that long? Were you really just going to hop on Indeed? Someone's going to offer you a job tomorrow? Like, there is negative consequence for you know up and leaving your job right away. Like as there should be for somebody. You know, trying to leave well, but there are you know? negative consequences for transferring. It's not like every uh, credit's going to necessarily transfer. It's not like the the kids the that are transferring. Let's be major. honest. What's that? The kids, the kids that are transferring, the af- the, the the school part isn't the reason why they're caring. No, it's not. But you're but you're acting like there's no consequences, and there are. There are for the kids that are transferring portal like that. They're they're going to be kids that are going on. They're not school's an afterthought. Yeah. But that's what D1 athletics has turned into, Rob. It's no, I don't disagree. Students, it's not student athletes anymore. I, I don't disagree with that. But and let's be honest too, a lot of these kids are that are transferring around are going to be business students where the degree program really doesn't matter. There's a business school everywhere. True. But here's my question. If BC and Minnesota and Wisconsin and and BU and North Dakota start taking all these like junior senior transfers, how the heck are they going to have room for all their blue chips? And how are they going to keep their blue chips happy if there's not playing time because they've got 22-year-old or 23-year-old juniors and seniors that can put and up And that's 30 why points. it doesn't that's why it doesn't impact the big schools as much. They're able to snag a couple of people from transfers each year if this goes this way and you have teams that have, you know, one or two blue chips that they've managed to get like us with Bantel that doesn't stay. It, this hurts the smaller schools way more than it hurts the big schools having to deal with. I understand roster. what you're saying, Rob, about big school versus small school. But from my perspective, a student should be able to transfer schools if they want to. They I don't have a problem with they that. They just can't play hockey then. But I don't have a problem but, with but that. But why should they be prevented from playing hockey right away? Maybe they can play hockey, but they... They're not. They don't. Not eligible for a scholarship. You don't. You, if you want, if you want scholarships that, scholarships cannot be offered to transfer players. The first year. If you want, if you want that level of working a job as hockey, go play in the CHL. Go play somewhere else. Play as a professional athlete. You're not taking the professional athlete path by going to college. That's very true. One of. But both. that's not where the NCAA is headed either. They're in court That's, right now trying to claim that they're and and from the other perspective, like like I don't like I have I don't have a pro like I understand that it's probably going to hurt Michigan Tech in the long run to have these rules. But at the same time, just look at the portal this year. Like there aren't two hundred and fifty five spots. This is why St. Thomas is in the perfect situation right. yeah because <laughs> they, they can they pick basically the good year get, to start they can get like a, normally a team has that starts new has crappy upperclassmen because they're from the club team or the d3 team and they don't really belong at d1 st thomas can basically get six kids from every class in the transfer portal and start with a good distribution right now i don't know how that's really going to work out for them because according to uh uh Don Lucia on uh, Beyond the Pond. Is that what the show was, Dustin, that I sent a link to you guys a while yeah, ago? Beyond, beyond I listened pond. to his interview on Beyond the Pond. He said that St. Thomas currently 
is not allowed to participate in the NCAA tournament for five years. So how many of those kids are going to want to transfer knowing that they can't play in the NCAA tournament? Now, a kid like TJ Polglaze is probably happy as hell just to be on a team where he gets to play every week. But how are you, like, you're not going to get Eric Dopp to transfer to St. Thomas and not have a chance at an NCAA tournament and I think, at all. I think that's a dumb rule, personally. Like I, I, I know you said that, but but you're wrong. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, no, it is a dumb rule, but I understand why it exists. I get why you, why you, why you defend the existence of the rule where you don't want it to be like a money making thing where you know whole divisions can just or whole like leagues can just decide, hey, we're Division One now, we're all jumping up, we're all making the move. I get that, you know, like you got to stop the cash cow somewhere. But from my perspective. If you're good enough to make the tournament, you're good enough to make the tournament. If St. Thomas next year runs the table, they win McNaughton, they win Sour, like, I think they beat the rest of the league fair and square and deserve their run at it. So, like, I get where the money-making perspective kind of gets into I it. I also like, agree with the assessment that St. Thomas should only be – I St. Thomas should not be – required to skip the hockey tournament because hockey has its own stupid setup where if like I assume there aren't any rules that say St. Thomas would not have been allowed to participate in D2 championships if they went to D2 first. And if that's the case, yeah, I think then there shouldn't be any rules preventing them from playing for the hockey championship because there is no D2 in hockey. So Basically, the D1 championship is the D2 championship in hockey, so they shouldn't have an issue with hockey. If they're not allowed yeah. to play in the championship for football and basketball, that's fine. But hockey really is its own thing because there is no D2, so they shouldn't be. And I have heard rumors from a couple different people that they think it will not end up being five years because of St. Thomas's situation, that it will get reduced. But you're still talking about trying to convince juniors and seniors to transfer and that's got no more shot than likely the it's, title, yeah. it's still two or three years that they're out and I can't see like Seamus Donahue is not going to transfer to St. Thomas granted he had an opportunity at St. Cloud but somebody similar to him is not going to go to St. Thomas and give up that chance because now he's playing in the Frozen Four this week like it's a totally different thing and that's part of why he wanted to go right like it's I don't know it's uh, and what boils down to is the NCAA has made a rule based upon basketball and football, and the rest of the sports be damned, and that's just what the NCAA does. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, um, but that's why I also talked about how they talked a lot about the like waiting period, and every time somebody brought it up about college hockey, I'm like, it doesn't apply to hockey. There's no D two, so if they go up to D two next year, they'll be able to play D one hockey next year. Like it's not that hard. Um, so and as long as we're talking about them, we might as well talk about their hiring of a head coach. Uh, they hired Rico Blase, who was probably the best non-current coach that you could hire. I can't think of anybody else. Guazdecki. Guazdecki. Um, okay. Same same tree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin and I had this conversation, what, a decade ago, I think? <laughs> Which conversation? We had, we had a lot of conversations We were, we were a drunk at a bar, and you said, if you could pick any coach to build a program with, who would you pick? And I'm pretty sure that was like the 09 Frozen Four, wasn't it? When we had that conversation, 
But back in 09, I think it was, we had that, or somewhere around there, we had that conversation about if you could pick any coach to build a program with, who would you pick? And I think I answered you saying Guazdecki, and you were like close. Basically, uh, Rico Blase is his protege, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, but at the same time, I feel like that decade has really changed my perspective of him. Like, and I, I think the e- in- most interesting thing about it is University of St. Thomas went this direction and picked a guy that has basically no connection to Minnesota at all. Unlike the other five schools, which all have Minnesota-born coaches, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how he does trying to... Re- I assume he'll get some assistant coach that has Minnesota roots to help with recruiting the Metro um, and, and outstate and everything else. But I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this hire. I think it's, I think it's the splashy move that they could accomplish because I think it's a lot easier to go take a assistant athletic director versus trying to poach a Patalny or some of the other names that we heard thrown around. Uh, so I don't know. I, what do you guys think of the hire, I guess? I think, like I said, it's a splashy one. It's got name recognition right away. You know, people around college hockey know who he is. And he wasn't coaching college hockey. So it's not like you have to worry about you know, a bio fee or anything like that from another program, that kind of stuff, from what I understand, right? What was he doing before? Do you guys know? He's a, he's Associate Athletic Director at Providence. Okay. In, in charge of men's and women's hockey. So I'm assuming there's no buyout involved with that. No, I wouldn't think so. Right. So I think it makes sense. And it's I think it's good to see from the CCHA perspective to see some name recognition there with, with someone getting hired. Yeah, I agree. I, I, Dustin, I mean, he, right, he was Matt? done. One last thing. He was done at Miami for a reason. So hopefully um, he's able to pick back up. <laughs> where, where he left off, not not doing as well? No, better, right? Oh. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't do well with the NCHC because he was in the NCHC, wasn't he? When he yeah, left. He didn't do well in the NCHC. Right? He dominated yeah. the CCHA. Right. In many ways. So he'll probably do well then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> my question, looking at his resume, is he's got a small gap in there towards the end of his Miami tenure. What was he up to? I haven't read up on him way too much. What is he up to? Are you not listening? I've said it three times. He's the associate athletic director at Providence. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, I was not listening because I was trying to do my own independent <laughs> research. So both of you ask me, and I said it. Before you asked me, you know, Jeez, I'm, Dustin I'm, asked him what he's doing when it's your turn. Yeah, that's fair, but I, <laughs> I think it has a. Potential Do you know if he, to, does he have yeah. any connections to any of those Catholic schools? <laughs> <laughs> he's the associate athletic director at Providence, or was before he got hired. All right, but I think this. Fun times. I think it has the potential to be a real Jekyll or Hyde hire. Like, I know that's a comparison I like to make a lot, but like you said, he really ran the table in the CCHA and just kind of, like, fell off the face of the earth at the NCHC, and, like, those are two... Well, and if you do the research, his his decline starts to happen after he no longer has recruits that were recruited by Bergeron. That's also true. 
about three years after Bergeron leaves is when he starts to decline. Now, granted, that also lines up with some of the timing of the NCHC stuff. Those numbers all track, but yeah, yeah, I I definitely. It's hard to say what's a bigger contributor: the Bergeron departure or the transition to the NCHC and starting to slide and basically losing it because you're 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 recruiting against a different group of teams and you're in a different situation that way yeah it's it's hard to say i think that you know this has the potential to be a really good name splash hire recruits are going to see them right away they're not going to care about losing out in the tournament stuff like that that could well happen or it could be the opposite result where people are like you know what have you done for me lately you haven't had a winning record since 2014 what have you been up to as the athletic director at uh providence well i guess they have been doing pretty well in hockey east but like how much direct impact have you had on the hockey program versus like going off and doing other stuff with their program so i guess it's it's an interesting hire for the sake of the league i hope he does well but like it's it's just such a hard hire to read for me personally dustin um, I don't know. I, I, it's not the direction that I would have gone. I mean, I, I like the idea of ha- having a new program and, and starting fresh with the new coach. I probably would have gone, you know, a, if it were me, the direction of like a Todd. It's actually, you actually pronounced the K, right? Cannot. Yeah. Cannot. Yep. I'd probably go, you know, that direction or, you know, what's his name up in Duluth, this plant, plant, plant. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that's got Minnesota connections. I I don't. Or Jason Herter, something like the former assistant at UMD that took a year off here or whatever. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I, I find it really odd. I think it's a big risk on St. Thomas's part to take somebody that doesn't have the connections to the Minnesota high school roots because he's, he's already going to be behind the eight ball trying to figure out how to convince these kids to pick him over the other five schools. Uh, the, and, and I think that's a tough spot to be in because it's, because I also can't imagine that his, his coaching tree experience has a whole lot of Minnesota guys in it either for him to go pull an assistant. And it's not like you can go, get Todd Cannot to be your assistant. You, you, I, you, he's going to have to take some young guy that doesn't have, like, I don't know where he's going to get his assistance. It seems like it's, I think I'll have a better feeling for what he's trying to do after you get the sense of who the assistants are to see what kind of Minnesotan he can get. Maybe a, a Scott Bell or or whoever, but I think that'll play a lot into understanding really how how he's going to pull off being the non-Minnesotan trying to recruit in Minnesota. I don't think his name resonates with Minnesota kids at all right now. You, you, no, he. I don't think he's got any pull whatsoever with because I don't think Miami recruited much in Minnesota before. When he was no. when he was and a he's, coach there. he's a Canadian, right? Too isn't he from Ontario? Oh, I thought he was from Italy. Oh, the horror! <laughs> <laughs> what 
all of this insular Minnesota talk, are you guys really that biased toward out-of-state folk over there that someone that's got a proven track record can't come in and coach a team and be successful? Is well, Minnesota I'm that not, close-minded? I'm not talking about his ability to coach. I'm talking about his ability to recruit in his backyard. Sure. Have you like have you talked to people tied in with Minnesota <laughs> athletics, like any college <laughs> sports in Minnesota? The no. one of us factor is like the biggest thing there is. <laughs> and, and Rob, I'm also not saying that like a like a Wisconsin person or a North Dakota person or even a Michigan person doesn't fit. But a guy that coached in Miami was in Providence and is from Ontario seems like an interesting choice from the perspective of where your backyard is for recruiting. Sure. Especially when you had no, all I get five it. Minnesota a- teams in the tournament and all five of their coaches are from Minnesota. It's uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek just on the Minnesota superiority complex. That's all. Well, it's not about a superiority complex. It's about understanding who you have the best chance of getting. Like, I don't expect Rico Blase to have a team full of kids from BC and Ontario if he's in St. Paul. Like, that doesn't make sense to me when you can go recruit. He's got like, at least two years worth of transfer portal work anyway, so he doesn't need to recruit <laughs> anybody to start with for a while. <laughs> I know, but it just seems odd to me to, uh, to, to, it seems like a way bigger risk. And maybe the issue was that all of these other coaches we're talking about had much more concerns about like the lack of an arena and the la and, and I, like, I heard a rumor that Patolny was interested because he wants to get out of Marquette because he wants his kid to grow up in the Metro and have better competition in high school. Um, and that he wanted Probably to, go to gentry. He go to gentry. Um, yeah, ship him off. He can, what he can a go to presumptuous name for a place. Like, we're the Gentry. Gentry Academy. That's all I can think yeah. of there. Yeah. It just well, it's a hockey school, like... so it makes sense that it'd be gentrified, right? They... Um, <laughs> they built the school in the parking lot of the arena, not the other way around. Yeah, I know. I've, I have seen a little bit. As much as I want to be ignorant of Wisconsin or Minnesota you know, prep sports, my Twitter feed gets full of this bull crap every year around now, so I see yeah. enough of it. It it just it just seems very odd to me, but okay. So back to Patalny. So Patalny wanted, liked the idea of going going to St. Thomas, but he had concerns about the arena and he had concerns about the salary. Uh, so if you were already doing pretty good as some kind of like associate head coach, or you're a head coach at Ohio State or or northern michigan or i can't remember who the other name was that everybody was throwing around as a possible like poaching i heard hastings too that was never happening good luck Uh, no way in hell like the like i don't see you leaving a, a good job for this job at this point in time without like shovels in the ground or like an actual plan on a new rink so yeah i just didn't see any of that happening and maybe that's why you end up with a guy like Rico Blase who who on paper looks like a great choice I'm just I'm just not sure how he actually works in the the in the state of Minnesota 
Um, it'll be interesting to see. And like you said, Dustin, he doesn't resonate with... Like, nobody in Edina is going to... Like, they'll know his name now, probably, because of what he is. But it's not like it resonates, like, Matsuko or or Siratori, even. Look, like, at the, look at the random kids that Patoni has pulled to from, like, Edina. Like, he's got some yeah. Edina recruits just because he's Patoni and went to the Gophers. And his yeah. name resonates. Yep. No, Minnesota... Or North, that's probably one of the the most impressive things for Patholny is how much he has pulled like Minnesota kids. Um, but that's the reverse direction too, right? He's he's pulling Minnesota kids away from Minnesota because he has Minnesota name recognition. Yep. Is it gonna be as hard to recruit to the you know right to a metro area in the in the Twin Cities without that recognition? Just the fact that they're staying home. I'm gonna be and playing honest. D1? Minnesota you hockey know, politics know. just exhausts the living hell out of me. This has been a hard podcast for me to get through. <laughs> like, there's Good. just so Good, there's Matt. so much Good. that goes into it. It's and about I, time. I, well, it's about time that we exhausted you instead of me being exhausted with your giant freaking tangents <laughs> that have nothing to do with freaking anything. <laughs> time to be exhausted, Matt. Fair enough. Like, I know I know all that goes into it, and you're you've got a fair point there, but it's just. Man, there's just so much that go to that goes into it that like it comes down to you know like oh man is my kid from Minnesota going to be going to a college in Minnesota that's coached by somebody from Minnesota because if it's, not it's oh not Lord about Jesus Christ coached, we can't be doing that it's not that. about being coached like you know like there are plenty of kids like look at Kukinen or um, Jackson there are plenty of kids that choose to go elsewhere oh I know yeah we've 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 pulled Minnesota kids plenty that's fine. The the question is, how does how does St. Thomas win a recruiting battle over Mankato and Minnesota St- or and and Bemidji? They say mom and can UMB do your laundry. What's that? Mom can do your laundry because you're a Metro kid staying at a Metro school. There's that too, yeah. and then you know yeah. I think the other argument is how does Tech win the recruiting battle for Mister Hockey Minnesota? Like, you know, he didn't win. Oh, he didn't win. Nepotism. He didn't win. No, I I have a theory on that too. Who won that? Uh, what's the kid from Grand Rapids? That's me. Oh, Grand Rapids. Huh? <laughs> oh, I have a theory on that. We can we'll, we'll circle actually, we'll talk about that is some it other done? time because we'll circle plenty back. long. Uh, but did like they announce the, the Mister Hockey but, stuff or not? How do how how do we win the kid that's up for Mister Hockey, Matt? You asked the question. Yeah, like do you know do you know who is <laughs> family is no i've got no idea on suzanne sandwich oh, is his aunt mm, that'll do it <laughs> again nepotism <laughs> but yeah Jack but Perich. not to say it's a bad thing the kid seems fantastic don't oh, get yeah, me wrong exactly. no no i'm very on all merits that, that you know yeah and, and when the uh, uh i think we should just wrap it up here who you guys got this week for frozen four Who's going to play in the title and who's going to win? Purple Cows all the way. I hope Purple Cows win too. I, It'd be I can't a nice pick way any, for the WCHA I cannot to pick end, anybody right? else to win, even though I don't know if it'll happen, but I, that's what I'm rooting for for sure. Is it an all-Minnesota national championship? Absolutely. Well, statistically speaking, yes, it's going to be. <laughs> well, it's 50-50. Yeah, I, I think it, it happens. I think you're right. I think it's Duluth versus... Mainly because fucking Duluth. Oh, <laughs> Doesn't use the yeah. bad words, but... Oh. Yeah, I don't... 
<laughs> Sorry, Biddy, again. As long as Duluth des- doesn't win. You deserve I, some pain, Biddy. To be honest, I hope, as long as Duluth doesn't win, I don't care who wins. I, I'll, I'll rule two for any of the other three to win. Even St. Cloud I, and the Ill- illiterate people up there, I don't care if they win. <laughs> I, I'm always one to root for a team that doesn't have a title. So I Yeah, and I, that's where I'm on board with Dustin. I am happy to have Duluth not win so that the NCAA has to pay for another uh, banner to hang for a new champion. Fine yep. by me. Yep, I, I like seeing somebody new win. And if it's going to be somebody new, I would much rather it be Minnesota State anyways. To go from zero success in the tournament for so long to finally winning would be just fantastic, I think, for them. And I think it's a good way. <coughs> it, it's a good way to one crap on the the entire attitude that the WCHA has gotten over the last five yep. years about how it's not not good enough um and yeah, in I all think, honesty I think Jeff Cox definitely ate his words on that oh he ate a lot he ate quite a few of a them. lot of crow there he did actually say something along the lines of i think i was wrong the wcha deserved three teams but then he said something along the lines of he basically uh, the, big the big ten, ten shouldn't have gotten yeah. them yeah, yeah right yeah yeah i mean it was cool to see the big ten lose so Nope. I, mean, I would love to see a Massachusetts Minnesota final. I don't know. Mel Mel should probably be thanking COVID right now for saving himself the embarrassment of getting beaten by about twelve by Duluth and the way it looks in the tournament. Very true. So I guess so at this point, like I've I've learned my lesson about sleeping on Minnesota State. I think they make it to the championship, but if I don't have to hear the word Minnesota until puck dropping next year. I'm going to be really happy. So for for that reason and that reason alone, I'm hoping UMass comes out on top and wins the national championship. All right. I'm going to pick Minnesota State. I would be very happy if that happens. I think that takes some incredible momentum into the new league. I am just, if after this podcast, I am so sick of hearing the word Minnesota that I'd be okay with a UMass win. Well, just wait, because <laughs> next week, next time we'll talk about Kukkonen some more. That'll uh, be okay with and, me. I'm excited for him. And I'm crew. sure we'll have some more news about St. Thomas at that point. We'll have, hopefully we'll have some some coaching news for Michigan Tech one way or the other. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Or can I wrap this up before we hit 100 minutes? Good. You, you you got a little bit of time to hit that. Yeah, Not just much. a little bit, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'd rather be at 90, but too late for that. Uh, well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to a monthly Zoom chat featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, and more to come. Thanks again to our newest patron. Uh, whatever. I don't need to give him a shout out again. I don't know why that's still in there because I don't read this before <laughs> I read it. Uh, if you guys want an authentic jersey, creams and golds, I'm trying to order them. We're not hitting minimums yet, so please sign up. We need to get more people signed up to get those orders to hit minimums. I'm really struggling with that. I also haven't bugged the people who said they wanted them enough, but we're this year has been far worse than normal on follow through. Like I think the hundred year jerseys were about fifty percent of the people that signed up actually ordered 
And I think that's about where I'm at on the other two jerseys, too. Um, so I should, I'm going to have to increase my buffer in the future, I think. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions for email address, ChasingMac at TechHockeyGuide.com or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash ChasingMacPod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. I heard this on one of my favorite podcasts uh, the other day. If you guys go out and actually rate our podcast and give us a five-star rating and write a review, we will read the review on the podcast. So come on, let's see some reviews, guys. We haven't had one of those in a, in a long time. Not that I'm all that surprised because I never review podcasts either, but do it for us. Come on, guys. Yeah, I'll, yeah. if you, yeah. you make <laughs> one of my awful tournament picks, I'll even bust out the mini basketball hoop so you can dunk on yep. me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just just end your review with star, dunk, star. And, and then uh, I'll we'll throw know. a basketball hoop. I'll throw a basketball through yeah. my hoop just for you dunking on me. Yeah. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com.